0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
1: The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Friday, the 19th of May in London, coming up today. Within touching distance, congressional leaders signal that they're close to a deal on the debt
2: ceiling. Chipping in, the UK unveils its long-trailed semiconductor strategy. The woman on top at Man Group, hedge fund giant's new CEO, speaks exclusively to Bloomberg. London's growth rate outpaces the UK, Revolut's
3: banking license hangs in the balance, and brainstorms prove to be a waste of time. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers and I'm Leanne Gerrans.
1: Plus the banking crisis bonus no one wanted. Regulators put remunerations back in their crosshairs.
4: That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts.
1: Good morning, I'm Caroline
2: Hepker. And I'm Lizzie Burden. Here are the stories we're following today. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer are planning votes in the coming days on a bipartisan debt ceiling deal. McCarthy says negotiators may reach an agreement in principle as soon as this weekend. Speaking to us here on Bloomberg, Senator Kirsten Sinema says she's increasingly confident that a deal will be done.
4: Well, the good news is that we've now got the right people in the room to have the conversation and come to an agreement, and I am beginning to feel more and more confident each day that such an agreement will occur. We've got some really good news here. One is that Kevin McCarthy has said over and over he doesn't want to have a default. His folks are in the room negotiating to prevent a default and solve this challenge.
2: Sunema's growing optimism comes as traders warn of a surge in borrowing costs and blow to equities in the event of any default.
1: Now, is a skip the new pause? Dallas Fed Chief Laurie Logan says that the case for a pause in June is not yet clear. Speaking at a Texas Bankers Association conference, Logan suggested that the Fed could skip the rate hike issue at next month's meeting and revisit it in July. Her comments contrast, though, with those of Fed Governor Philip Jefferson, who's been outlining the dovish case for patients.
5: History shows that monetary policy works with long and variable lags and that a year is not long enough, period, for demand to feel the full effects of higher interest rates.
1: Jefferson spoke at an event hosted by the National Association of Insurance Commissioners in Washington. The Fed Governor's assessment comes as the US economy remains surprisingly resilient in the face of massive rate hikes over the past year. The UK is committing £1 billion to bolstering its
2: domestic chip industry over the next decade. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts reports on the long-awaited plan for the domestic semiconductor sector. The chip plan will focus on the UK's areas of strength like research and design rather than attempting to go head to head with governments throwing far more money at the industry. The US and EU have between them pledged to spend more than $90 billion to spur chip manufacturing in their regions. That's after global supply disruptions and a demand spike brought on by the pandemic fired the starting gun on a race for inventories. It also highlighted the need to make more semiconductors in the West. The UK also says it will increase its cooperation with close partners to develop supply chain resilience. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
1: Now the battle for talent is hotter than ever and hedge funds can no longer assume that the cream of the crop will want to work for them. That is the view of Robin Grew, the newly appointed CEO of Man Group, the world's largest publicly listed hedge fund. In her first interview since that announcement, Grew told Bloomberg's Masters in Business podcast with
0: Barry Ritholtz that times have changed. So so we suddenly found ourselves believing that actually we are great therefore great people will come right and actually not so much that 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 those new generations have many more choices on how to deploy that expertise and actually they look at us and they say why would I come and work for an organization where you don't look like me you don't feel like me you don't understand me and you'll make me do stuff I don't want to do and by the way I've watched billions So we will be bringing you more of our exclusive
1: interview with Robin Grew, the new CEO of Man Group, in just a few minutes' time. And one of the
2: UK's best-known bankers says the case for investing in Britain is only getting worse. Terra Firma Capital founder Guy Hands told Bloomberg's In The City podcast that doing business in Britain is vastly more difficult.
5: Um, I look at the UK and see that, no, 2030, Poland will be wealthier than we are. Yeah, that's sort of predicted and I think that will happen. 2014, will probably be the poor man in Europe. Um, if we go in the way we're going at the moment, all you can really see is, is Britain just becoming poorer and poorer on a relative basis to the rest of Europe.
2: Guy Hans added that, if anything, bureaucracy has increased after Brexit rather than decreased. You can catch the full exclusive interview on Bloomberg's In The City
1: podcast. And the top US bank regulators are vowing to act quickly on long-delayed rules to clamp down on executive pay and bonuses. The move comes after former executives at failed lenders Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank and First Republic Bank faced criticism from US lawmakers over their generous compensation. The rules were mandated back in 2010, the Dodd-Frank Act, to discourage executives from taking risks that led to the 2008 meltdown. So those are a few of our top stories this morning. Look, on the debt ceiling issue, uh, could that crisis be averted? And then, Lizzie, would you potentially get a rally? I was talking about uh, the increase in equity markets. President Joe Biden expected back early from the G7, possibly for talks on Sunday. Um, McCarthy, the California congressman, uh, has been talking quite positively about the five negotiators from the two sides and how they're meeting two to three times a day, and that there's the structure for talks, but not everyone basically is that that positive, really. No, but
2: you have got Republicans and Democrats saying that a deal is close and Mm -hmm. the dollar closed at the highest since March. Yesterday, the S&P 500 was at a nine-month high. So markets smelling
1: the positivity, Caroline? Maybe, but also they might be smelling the fumes that the US Treasury is running on, right? The cash balance has fallen to $68.3 billion. So this is the money that the Treasury sort of has on hand to pay bills, to pay its debts. That's the lowest level since 2021 but more importantly there's a 50 billion dollar coupon that's due on monday so you know you really could be getting down to the bottom of the barrel um yeah so that's why there's so much kind of tension around this issue but it'd be fascinating if there actually is a vote in time next week so yeah that's one of the issues that we're watching out for but also we've got this amazing interview with the newly appointed boss of man group Indeed, Robin Grew, the newly appointed chief executive of the
2: world's largest publicly listed hedge fund, has a guiding mantra to help sustain the firm's industry-defying growth. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. In her first interview since her promotion was announced, she spoke exclusively to Bloomberg's Radio Masters in Business with Barry Ritholtz. Barry started by asking her what she wants to do with the $145 billion business.
0: And it's, it's a great question. It's also an early question, let's be clear. So um, I'm going to perhaps not give you the satisfactory answer you want. Um, nevertheless, you'd expect me to do exactly what I'm just about to do. The, the firm is brilliant. I mean, it, it, is ha- it has a cracking core business. And my number one job, apart from anything, is not to break that because that is mm-hmm. value and it's real and it will continue to grow. We will continue to see the value of technology. And we have 35 years, 40 years of quant and data and tech behind us, and we will continue to invest in that space. We will continue to look for um, opportunities in an M&A format. We've made it very clear to the market. Um, can't guess what they're going to be. Couldn't tell you if I did know, but I can't get, guess what that's going to be. What I will tell you is it will be additive, and it will be additive for our clients. Ultimately, this is about having deeper and better client offerings. It's that that piece about the solutions that we talked about earlier. How do I ensure that I've got each of the components that can provide a better offering for our institutional clients? And we'll grow that. U.S., massively important to us. Deep capital market. You'll absolutely see us putting effort and time into building our presence here too.
5: So, so let's talk a little bit about your approach to leadership. Uh, you've managed to distinguish yourself in a very competitive field. Tell tell us how. <laughs>
0: Here's the answer, everyone. It's not true. Um, I, 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 I tell you, in, perhaps this is a, a way of thinking about it. What I have done, perhaps, is the better way of saying who I and how I distinguish myself. What I've done is taken every single opportunity that has come my way.
5: Mm-hmm. And... I, so no master plan. This just you just oh, stumbled I'm, blindly from yes. one gig to the next. Is that I, I what mean, you're saying? I, I
0: mean, that's a that's the perfect way of summing it up. The um, <laughs> the way of summing it up is this: if you'd have asked me 25 years ago, do you think you'll be the CEO of an investment management company? I'd have laughed. Right? right? I would have done. I didn't have a grand master plan. What I did have was a somewhat insatiable desire to learn and have some fun doing so, that I loved being a fixer. I loved being put on planes or being sent into areas to solve things. I have innately hired people around me and built teams of highly credible, quality people um, who I have empowered and who I have loved to partner in achieving... Whatever it was that we needed to achieve, better, faster, smarter than before. And that, that empowerment piece is huge. The ability to not have to be the smart in fact, let me do it a different way. If I am the smartest person in the room, you've done something wrong. I, I worry. I mean, that's not OK. Um, so on that basis, leadership style, hire brilliant people put great minds around you, put people around you who are willing to disagree with you, or better still, stop you careering off a cliff if you're (laughs) heading in the wrong direction. I can't tell you how many times that 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 is just as important of the sort of the rugby tackle to your knees bit. If you've suddenly got yourself into the frame of this is where we're going. And I have enormously benefited from that style of management, which is inclusive it's about delegation and it's about empowering people to sometimes be really horrible
5: to you. Diversity and inclusion, Mm -hmm. how do you think about that as a manager and then how do you think about that as an investor? I think this piece about,
0: I'm not really interested in the person who is um, different on the outside but actually went through all the same educational processes and the same training. The the premise that, that only the best people come from Um, Certain demographics. Your tribe. Your tribe. Right. Is when you say it out loud, a nonsense. Right. So how we get people into our organizations that feel, look and have difference and how we ensure that we give them the space to be that different in our organisations, that's the criticality to it. That bit of, yeah, yeah, it's okay, we'll have you and then please can you be like us? Mm -mm -mm. You've got to know how to create an organisation which actually gives people the space to be Different, because that's what you're getting them for. It's a bit like an acquisition, where you understand the commercial reality of it. You buy something because of its commercial differentiation, and then you bring it in, and you're trying to squish it right. into something that it, it degrades that commercial benefit. It's the same with people. Where you've got to bring people in, you've got to let them fly, and you've got to be comfortable perhaps being a little bit more uncomfortable than you were before. Well,
5: all the academic studies say if you want to avoid groupthink, if you want better decisions, the more diverse the group, the more likely you are to to reach a better decision. So even that discomfort, there's some academic research that supports it. right? Absolutely.
0: It's- over and over again, you see the academic re- research. And yet I think there's an arrogance that we've had in our industry a little bit, which has been that great people will come to us. And then we suddenly woke up a a, a little while ago, especially as tech became so incredibly important to all of us, that there were other options for these very smart people, that they didn't have to come and work at hedge funds, or maybe they weren't interested. In finance, what? I mean, how could that possible? What? How could that be, Barry? You and I what? shocking. I, shocking. I, shocking, right?
5: I'll, I'll let you in know a little secret. I'm a recovering attorney myself, so I, just, I, I, I get it. Uh, right.
0: So was that attorney? Attorney's anonymous. We need to go to anyway. That's that aside, the so, so we suddenly found ourselves believing that actually we are great. Therefore, great people will come. Right. And actually, not so much that 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 those new generations have many more choices on how to deploy that expertise. And actually, they look at us and they say, why would I come and work for an organisation where you huh. don't look like me, you don't feel like me, you don't understand me, and you'll make me do stuff I don't want to do. And by the way, I've watched billions. And and <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, this is the difficulty with podcasts. I just made a funny face. But the, but the point being, we have to do, and we've had to do a much better job, I think, in... in in joining up the dots for that brilliant talent that's coming through about what we do and why we're valuable and why it matters that we do what we do and why they are an important part of ensuring financial security for millions of people who have worked very, very hard their whole lives and deserve a high-quality return on their pension.
5: Yeah, there's, there's been a little bit of a backlash against things like Um, various AI and and chat bots, and etc. To me, it's always been a tool. All this technology is a tool that makes people more productive, more effective, more efficient. Uh, I've never thought, hey, uh, ChatGBT is going to put all of us out of business. It's something that can be used to the Betterment of our work product, and it sounds like that's integral to man's philosophy.
0: Kind of agree. Chat GPT is clearly the greatest disruptor we've had in the last year. I mean, it's been it's it's been given some really quite momentous uh, bylines as well. But it's certainly a massive disruptor. For, from my perspective, if you think about it negatively, you're missing the mark.
5: Right. It's it's n- sure it hallucinates occasionally, but but but. but-
0: well, I was going to say something, who doesn't? No, but that's not true. Um, it's, it, it, but it's also not going to be the first or the last piece of AI technology. This isn't a, well, we've got ChatGPT now, therefore we're now done. Now right. That's not going to happen. And, but, and this, this sort of semi-hysterical fear of it, I think, is all wrong. There, is, there are undoubtedly benefits for us being able to use technology to capture large data sources.
1: So that was Robin Grew there in her very first interview since being announced as the next CEO, the first female leader for Man Group, which is a 240-year-old firm. I mean, wasn't that a lovely interview? Barry Rittles, I know of old, because when I lived in New York um, and he was running uh, his firm and writing lots of books and blogs, I used to interview him a lot. And he's, he's such a lovely guy, such an interesting conversation between the two of them. I mean, Robin Grew also... You know, she talked about diversity, about groupthink, about, you know, attracting new generational talent to the business. She herself identifies as a member of the LGBTQ community. That was an interesting aspect. She didn't say much, though, about how she was going to grow the business that has expanded rapidly for Mangrove.
2: Caroline, it's early in the morning and I find myself smiling. I couldn't help it. Yes. That was really uplifting, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was so interesting. Uh, You can hear the full conversation, of course, on Masters in Business, the podcast. So I hope you'll listen uh, to more from uh, Robin But Yeah, a lovely interview around Man Group. Coming up next, London's growth rate outpaces the UK. Revolut's banking licence hangs in the balance and brainstorms prove to be a waste of time. (laughs)
4: Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers.
2: Well, Leanne Gerrans is with us in the studio to take us through the front pages today. And the headline in the Financial Times is London's economic growth outpaces all other UK regions. Is that a surprise, Leanne? I don't actually think it is a surprise,
3: but let's get into the nitty gritty of it. So London's economy, as you just said, is the best performing in the UK. Now, this is all according to new data from the Office of National Statistics that we have got. Now, the Capital recorded the farthest expansion and the smallest impact from coronavirus and this was boosted by really strong growth in information, communication and also in our financial services right here in the capital and this is all according to the article in the Financial Times. Now these latest figures do highlight a really serious challenge for the government and the country it highlights how difficult levelling up is really going to be because output in London rose 0.9% between the second and third quarters of last year, far outstripping the 0.1% national contraction that we did have. Now, other figures output in Wales and Scotland fell during the same period, while growth was flat in the north of in Northern Ireland and in England. So we have to just think London is the only place mm. really growing at the moment, Caroline. So levelling up for the north, a key key conservative party manifesto, which they won a lot of the 2019 election on, just seems almost impossible to achieve when you have a look at these figures. Yeah,
2: but you can't say levelling up without thinking Boris Johnson. I don't hear it out much of Rishi Sunak's mouth.
1: No, no, absolutely. And Bloomberg, we've done our own research on this and in, in the last sort of year, several bits of kind of big data. Um, and yeah, levelling up has not worked, unfortunately, obviously, but- but no, that's interesting. Yes, in because
3: the main point of it was really reducing the large regional inequalities across the country. And getting
1: more productivity out of the whole of the UK. Anyway, that FT story is really good. What about uh, the Times? The Banking Licence Trouble Revolut... Um, sorry... <laughs> the banking licence for Troubled Revolut hangs in the balance, Leah.
3: Caroline, at one stage, I felt like I didn't know anyone without a Revolut card. Mm-hmm. And it feels like things are changing a little bit. Now, the fate of Revolut's attempts to secure this long-awaited banking licence from city regulators has been really thrown into massive doubt. And that all came last night. The Times newspaper said this is after it emerged the Bank of England actually plans to reject the company's Application, As you just said, it has been troubled and March Revolut's external auditors raised concerns in its 2021 accounts. And there's been a revolving door that just keeps turning at Revolut. The neobank has lost several key executives in recent months. Now, just last week, the CFO did also leave the company. But once upon a time, Revolut was the darling of Britain's fintech industry and has been seeking a Approval for a licence now for more than two years and now failure to gain this licence from Revolut's home regulators would pose an obstacle to the group's ambition to expanding operations in other countries and again it will be another blow to Britain's wider fintech industry Rishi Sunak's government has really been championing that
2: tech sector there so
3: once again real problems for Revolut
2: Yeah I mean the, critis- the criticism from the co-founders of Revolut about the UK post-Brexit has been really stinging recently. You know, they said no one wants to hear about Brexit anymore, but its influence on fintechs undeniable, and on and on. Uh, So this is only going to add to that, isn't it? Anyway, finally, the Wall Street Journal has the headline Office Brainstorms are a Waste of Time. Leanne, we'll have to stop coming up with ideas together then.
3: Oh, great idea. Um, Apparently, it's just not even worth doing, Lizzie. So, you know, no, I like brainstorming with people. But listen, there's two sides to the story. Let's get into it. Giving workers alone time could yield more innovation than getting everyone in a room. And this is all according to new research. The brainstorming exercise apparently is just a terrible idea because the value of gav- gathering to discuss loosely formed thoughts is just apparently suspect and this is all according to research that's been done. Sheena Ayanga, professor at Columbia Business School, has actually compiled this research. She's written a book mm-hmm. and it says brainstorming is just a waste of time. But you know what? The Amazon CEO actually says it gets people excited and they blurt out new ideas. So Maybe who if knows? you're an
1: extrovert. Well, <laughs> yes. it depends how much time you devote to it, isn't it? It's profitable if it's quick. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall
2: Street and beyond.
1: Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
2: You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business App and
1: Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepker.
2: And I'm Lizzie Burden. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
4: Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders